This is the Disciple Makers Podcast. The following audio comes from the National Disciple Making Forum by Discipleship.org. The theme was Disciple Maker, and Monty Starks from Life on Life Missional Discipleship hosted a track called How to Pursue and Disciple the Heart Like Jesus. Here's the track session from Life on Life Missional Discipleship. Uh, Very quickly, let me tell you a little bit about Life on Life. Uh, Ryan and I are uh, pastors at a church in Perimeter Church in Atlanta, Georgia. It's North Atlanta. And Life on Life is part of that church. What we do is we train churches around the world. We come along and assist them to... Just basically do ministry like Jesus. Select a few, invest in them, equip them, and then multiply and send them out to be with them. To do really life on life with people. So uh, we're in six continents across the world. Um, Just doing, it's just so much fun to see churches really just capture the vision. Uh, Marriages change in the church through discipling and so on and and just watch it multiply and grow. Um, just came back from Singapore, Malaysia, and also Ireland. Ryan and I will be in China in a few weeks, uh, training a bunch of churches there. We're actually training a whole southern part of China uh, through Clinic 3. Uh, we're also in Shanghai doing Clinic 1. We train people for two and a half to three years. I said this the other day, it'd be easy for us to do what we're doing now. Have a conference, sell some books in the back, say go home, that's great, have a great life. How we train is, is we do life with you. As we physically go to you and train face to face for several days, we meet with you, we're in your homes, then we do Skype and Zoom calls for five, six months, then we go back and train you again. Then we do Zoom, Skype calls, we go back and train you again. And we do Zoom, Skype calls, we train you again. And then for those people who really catch on, we bring them to Atlanta several times and invest. So some of our partners have been to Atlanta, um, you know, eight, nine times. We've been there eight, nine times. It's, I know they're children. Uh, they're in my lap, you know, hanging out. Uh, we do life. I, I don't think anybody can train anybody in discipleship over a weekend, a six-week class, a six-month class. I don't care what it is. You got to do life and praise the Lord that... Jesus spent the time he did with this man because those were uneducated, ordinary, stupid men like me. But they turned the world upside down. Amen? Amen. So, that's what we do. For those people who are here for the first time, I am sorry. (laughs) And the people who were here yesterday, they understand what I mean. So, we can't go backwards. We have to move forward. But we're going to uh, dive into it. So let me pray, and we're going to get after it. And those people here for the first time, sorry, but you're going to engage today, whether you like it or not. If you're not, you might want to leave now. So, Right, people? Right. Right. Amen. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we do want to target the heart. That lasting transformation goes through the heart of who we are. So, Father, would you... Just speak to us now through your truth. Would you speak to us now? Remind us of how we're created in your image. And let us live out of our full hearts. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Why do we teach this? This is a part of discipleship. This is a part of what we do in our discipleship group. The skills we're teaching you now are phenomenal to use in a discipleship group, but it's also just as powerful to use with your children, marriage, neighbors, and so on. This is skills we do in discipleship on a very consistent basis. Do we encourage curriculum? Absolutely. Do we have scripture memory? Absolutely. Do we have high accountability? Absolutely. Do we get in God's Word and really look at it in deep way? Absolutely in a deep way. But if we don't get after the heart of how we're creating the image of God, all that's just knowledge that's fluffing around. And how do we really apply it to our lives? How do we go deep in our souls with that? And then how do we call out what the Holy Spirit's doing that's not in the curriculum? Which is about 90%. That's why we call our ministry Life on Life. We don't call it Life on Curriculum. When people call us and say, hey, tell us about your discipleship stuff. I'd like your curriculum. Usually when that happens, our team would say to that person or in a very kind way, if you're asking about our curriculum, you probably really don't know much about discipleship. And the reason why is that you're asking, just give me a piece of paper and plug it in. But we're talking about people creating the image of God, and that's why we have to go after their hearts. Curriculum is good theologically, practically, uh, reproducible, where you keep on track. But it's not life on curriculum, it's life on life. So what was Jesus' curriculum? Anybody ever thought about that? You know, he, he would sit down with his guys after, you know, they sang Kumbaya on his guitar and around the tree, and then he would open up the scroll and he would say, hey, we're going to read now. No, he did life with them, right? He walked through life. He showed them and modeled. How many times our preachers tell us stuff and we, would somebody just show me how to do it? It's great that you told me I need to do it, but you showed me. So we have to get after the heart. Jesus talks about the heart all the time. So for those people who are here today, we're not going to go into the scriptures specifically looking at the heart of Christ and living out of our full hearts and our thoughts, our emotions and feelings, our deep desires at Psalm 37, 4, delight yourselves in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. We're talking about the God-centered, God-given, Holy Spirit desires that live in you that we need to call out of people to live in their fullness. Jesus talked about the heart a lot. You proclaim me with your mouth, but your hearts are far from me. Man, you're like whitewashed tombs on the outside, but inside you're like dead bones. I mean, he was saying, stop going through these, these legalistic steps, which is our fifth um, seminar that we're going to do later on today and talk about how do we not raise up little legalists in our discipleship groups, which is a very, very important thing. How does the gospel become the center of that? So Jesus was getting after the heart of people. We talked yesterday about how he got after the heart of the one at the well, different than Nicodemus, maybe the rich young ruler, uh, Peter, Pilate, and so on. And we, we wrestled with those. And we looked at, and, and Ryan took us through, looking at all four aspects, how we're creating the image of God. You know, it's very interesting because <clears throat> there's a guy, some of y'all have probably heard of him and read some of his books, uh, Instruments in Redeemer's Hands, a great book by Paul Tripp. If you haven't read that, it's fantastic. And he talks about a couple of stories. And one story he talks about that his wife is in the kitchen. And he looks, she looks out of the kitchen window, and there's an apple tree in their backyard. Looks at the apple tree, and she says, Honey, Paul, 
there's this nasty, rotten, dead apples on that t- tree. Would you do something about it? And he said, sure. So, <clears throat> he goes to the store that as- afternoon. It was fine. He, he buys a ladder at Home Depot, bought some kind of uh, some loppers and cutters. He bought a, a nail gun. Then he went to the store, bright, shiny red apples. So he gets up in the tree and he cuts all the nasty, not rotten apples down. He starts nailing these bright, shiny red apples all over the tree. Some are falling off, so he duct tapes a few. Of course, you got to use duct tape. And then he goes back inside and he says, Honey, I've taken care. Come outside. And of course, she thinks what? You're a fool. That's crazy. And he says, you know what the church is doing? We're just trying to get our people to look good. And what we're doing is we have these little nice shiny red apples around. We're just stapling red apples to a tree. We don't want you to look bad. We actually don't want to go after the heart of the messiness where transformation has to happen. And what we, use, what we start doing is we use the Bible as some kind of correctional encyclopedia instead of a redeeming story of God doing a work in the hearts of people. And it's like a correction manual. And that's not what the Word of God is for primarily. So we have to get after the heart of people. He tells another story, and this steps on some people's toes because we all have either experienced it personally or have children. But he talks about when he was nine and his brother was 11 or vice versa. They were young. His father wasn't around, but his mother took them to a family reunion and they're in a family reunion and one of the uncles got drunk started doing inappropriate stuff with other women there saying awful just nasty stuff so his mom took him and his brother and they shoved him in the car and they drove off and he said his mom said this very theological thing she didn't know but it was very powerful and she said this don't ever think the alcohol made your uncle do that. That was already in his heart. So guess what? When your kids go off to college and the college makes them? No. We, we have an issue because what we do is we have this nice red apple we're trying to protect instead of ripping away and getting the hearts of people. So, We don't have time to go into that. We're just going to talk a lot about how we can give you a skill to get after the heart. We did a little bit yesterday, but we want to go in a little bit more. Let's start by watching this video. There's this pressure, you know, and sometimes it feels like it's right up on me, and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head, and it's relentless, and... I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. (laughs) You do have a nail that head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail. It's just... Sometimes it's like... There's this achy... I don't know what it is. (laughs) Sweaters are snagged. 
Somewhere and someone goes, Do you know that's theologically incorrect? Just show the video. We're having fun with the video. Okay. So don't come up to me and say that's theologically incorrect. All right. We want to get after all four aspects of our heart. And here's a skill I hope it would be easy for you to remember because when you truly feel heard, you always feel loved. We talked about that yesterday. When you truly feel heard by someone, you always feel loved. That's why we need to listen better. That's why we have the power of listening that we need to do. And we're going to do that a little bit in, here in a moment. So here, it's acronym, and the first one is the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the hardest one to share with you guys because you're leaders in your churches. Lay leaders, pastors, officers, whatever you may be here today, and this is hard. Here's why. When someone, and Ryan talked about this yesterday, when someone comes to us and starts sharing their heart, we usually deflect, and there are three ways you can ask, get about how we deflect with people. You can get that from yesterday. And what we do is, is we're already starting to think about how we can correct this person with four verses and seven ways it's worked for you and 16 different steps, and we actually aren't listening to the person. Now, I'm going to tell you something that's very hard, but if you repent over this, I guarantee you God's going to do a great work in your heart, and it's this. Do you know why we don't listen well? I think most of the time, not the only reason, most of the time, that we believe, ultimately, that what we have to say to this person is better than the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit can't speak through us in the Word and the power of the Word and so on. But because we don't listen to this person, we already fixing them. We already got three steps. We already got four verses. We're actually not listening to their heart. We actually, instead of asking them powerful questions to draw out what the Holy Spirit is doing and their redemptive story, what we do is we sit there and preach at them or teach at them, and we don't let the Holy Spirit do His work. We need to repent, people. So, trust the power of the Holy Spirit. Trust the power of the Holy Spirit actually working, not necessarily um, with a Ephesians 1 stamp seal of the Holy Spirit in a non-Christian's life, because that hadn't happened yet. But trust that the Holy Spirit can work in the image of God in that person. Alright? But most of the people we're dealing with in discipleship that we, we, we want to help grow obviously have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone. So we want to know and believe that the Holy Spirit's working. So trust the Holy Spirit. Ask questions rather than tell. Try this on your children and they might say you become a different parent and it will radically change your parenting. Try this on your spouse who's wanted you to listen for 10, 20, 30 years. Trust that the Holy Spirit's at work. All right. E, engage the whole heart. We, we can't go into detail about this because we did it yesterday. But you're created with four aspects. When the Bible talks about the heart, it talks about the whole person. 
We're to live out the whole person that God's created in, in Christ and God's image. So, when you think about engage the person's whole heart, but also engage your whole heart. Something's happening in you. So engage a person's whole heart as you listen to the Lord and as you listen to them. I wish we had more time to talk about listening today, Ryan. I really do, because there are different ways you can listen well. You can listen to them, which is obvious, the number one. Hold on a second again. I got a text from, right? <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> Golly! I mean, love people. I, you know those people that come to you and you're like, they're not going to listen to me. I'm not going to even engage a conversation with them anymore. Because they're going to, yeah, come on, listen to people. Put, you, you don't care about it, you don't love them, listen to people. And you know those people that do listen to you, you love meeting with them, don't you? When you truly feel heard, you truly feel loved. Engage the whole heart. So listen to them, listen to what God's telling you. God's working in you. God might be telling you to share something with them after you engage their heart. That would be after you engage their heart. I'm going to say that again. You get it? I'm not saying don't, don't, give, them, don't give them advice. Don't give them the Word of God. Trust that the Holy Spirit's doing something. Call out what the Holy Spirit's doing. And most of the time, as Ryan talked yesterday, what you think they need is not really what they're even sharing about. Because you haven't listened to them yet. So engage the whole heart. Listen to the Lord. Listen to them. Listen to really what maybe the Lord might be telling them. Learn to listen well. We're going to work on that in a moment. A, ask open and powerful questions. We have a whole training on how to ask open and powerful questions. As you're engaging the four aspects, one of the questions is, what are you feeling? We talked about that a lot yesterday. What are you feeling? And in that, you do not want to ask, you must be really sad right now, right? <laughs> Close question, and that's called a leading question. Don't say that. I did that one time many years ago. You must be feeling really sad, really upset right now. No, am I supposed to be feeling that way? Because right now I'm feeling actually very joyful. Because what I was doing is I was sharing you my emotions that felt sad, but those are sad, joyful, actually, tears. I'm like, oops, missed that one. So don't, leave, don't ask open questions. Ask powerful questions. Don't ask close. Don't ask leading questions. And I wish we had a lot of time for this, people. Another one is stop with the why questions 95% of the time. You want me to tell you why? <laughs> If I'm talking to someone, and I don't care who it is, especially the spouse or child, good friend, discipleship group, well, why are you feeling that way? What do they feel at that moment when I ask that why question? Defensive. Very defensive. You can take any why question and make it a what or how question. In your discipleship groups, why don't you spend time with God? You hate him because that's what it sounded like in my question. Why didn't you share your faith like you said you're going to do? Why didn't you go to church? Well, you know why I didn't? Because my kid was sick. He had 103 fever and I went to the hospital. Thanks for asking about that. 
Oh, oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Change the why. I'm not saying 100% of the time, but most of the time, change it to a how or what. Ask open and powerful questions. So no leading questions. Try not to do why questions. Ask how or what. Don't have closed questions. Ask open questions. Don't ask yes or no questions. Learn. And you will do this a lot of times for the next, I hope, the rest of your life. You will something like this in discipleship. Why? How? How did that come about? You'll catch yourself. Well, do you think you ought to go home and do that? What do you think you need to go home and do? <laughs> You'll start catching, which is fine. That's great. So ask open and powerful questions. And then last, Ryan and I modeled this yesterday. I modeled it with two or three people in the room, and you didn't know what we were doing. But R is respond from your heart. This is after you've H'd, E, and A'd a person. <laughs> This is not during, this is not at the beginning, and this is not even what you think it is. Because yesterday, Ryan and I modeled, but there are a few people in the room that we asked you how that impacted your heart, and some of you responded well, some of you didn't, you told us about you. Now let me, let me explain the difference. If I'm engaging someone, and I'm drawing out the Holy Spirit, I'm asking powerful and open questions, and I'm getting to all parts of their heart, their thoughts, their feelings, their deep desires, their longings, and their choices. And after all that, I'll ask permission, just like Ryan did with me and I did with him, do you mind if I share with you how you impacted my heart? What I didn't say, what Ryan didn't say was, well, let me tell you about my story. Your story was okay, but let me tell you about my greatest story because me me and my greatest story is about this and this is really about it. No. No. Don't bring you into it. Bring how the Holy Spirit impacted you by listening to them. So we did this yesterday. When Ryan engaged me, he said, oh, Monty, you, you give me great courage for the future with my daughter, Savannah. Do you remember that? He didn't say, you know what you ought to do with your, your daughter? And here's a story I have with my daughter, and this is how it works, so you ought to do that too. <clears throat> no, respond in how the Holy Spirit has worked and impacted you from their sharing. So guess what, how that makes them feel? Extremely heard, extremely loved, extremely cared for. Not that it always comes back to you. We do a horrible job with this. That's why the church doesn't celebrate. Because the church doesn't celebrate in general because we don't know how to celebrate. Because it gets so navel-focused, it goes self-righteous, self-centered, and we don't know how to celebrate. So when we engage someone, we can actually celebrate with what the Lord is doing, whether great, painful, joyful, sad, whatever. So respond from your heart after. Okay? Respond from your heart after. So this is something when I'm engaging and Ryan's engaging people, we're always thinking, trust the Holy Spirit. That takes... Point one second. Engage your whole heart. I'm, I'm, I'm cognitively thinking about engaging the whole heart. That takes another point one second. Asking open and powerful questions, that's where you spend your time. As you engage all four aspects of their heart. And at the end, after, I don't tell them. I don't preach at them. I don't teach at them. I tell them how, the, the, how it's responded to my heart. 
Now, here's what happens sometimes. Hey, Monty, can you give me advice on something? Great. I could just give them advice. Or I could choose to engage their whole heart. And then I could actually give them better advice at the end. If I knew what their heart was wrestling with. Because you know a lot of times their question isn't the real question, right? We need to engage their heart to find out what they're wrestling with. All right? I shared that yesterday about my discipleship group. The guy wanted to quit his job. It actually had to do with his marriage. You know, he wanted to quit his job. I could have helped him to find a new job. That was not the issue. I asked him two questions to get at the issue. This is, it wasn't brain surgery. Okay. So, um, yeah, we're going to jump into that? Okay, before we jump into that. Okay, great. I didn't want to push click. <laughs> yeah, good, good. I'm going to stand here now. Thank you. Um, so if you were here yesterday, we gave you four good open questions to ask around the four areas of the heart. So if we were to, to double click. Oh, you took my slide away. Um, I was going to go. If you were to double click on ask open and powerful <laughs> questions, you would find these four questions, right? Those are very simple questions. Yesterday, when we had you practice engaging... What did we say? Read the question and listen, right? And some of you are like, this feels really robotic. You're right. It is. Because you've got to learn it first. You've got to try it first. And so we're starting simple. What I'm going to do right now is press fast forward, and I'm going to expand these questions around the four areas of the heart, give you some other ways that you can dive in and ask good, open, and powerful questions. So... Um, on thoughts, you're just trying to get the situation out on the table so you know what it is. Uh, tell me what's going on. Uh, if you're anything like me, uh, I'm an introvert, and I like to have a plan for everything I do. Conversations don't work that way. Conversations are improv most of the time. But I got four questions. I got to memorize. I can do this. Uh, sometimes they say something, and I feel like, uh-oh, what do I say now? That was weighty. That was really heavy. I recognize that moment. <coughs> what do I do? What do I say? Don't get stuck in your own head. You don't have to. Here's the simplest way out. Say more about that. <laughs> Tell me more about that. You don't have to come up with the perfect question every time. Just listen to the person. If you don't know what to say... Say more about that. Tell me more about that. Um, something that came up again yesterday, we didn't have time to go into it. Uh, there was a time where, where I was asking Monty a question, and he listed a couple emotions. And I said, uh, what other emotions are you feeling? He listed a few other. As I'm trying to get down to the deep desire, I know those emotions are tied to a deep desire in his heart. Which one do I pick? I don't know. Ask the Holy Spirit. Take one and go with it. You might come back and go through another one. There, there's no rules. Just hear the person well. So I, I ask a question about one of these emotions. How does that emotion touch your, touch your desires for your daughter? I actually went back and touched a second emotion later and went back to see if that was the same desire, if there were a lot of desires coming out and all that kind of stuff. So uh, how do you know which direction to go? You don't. Just trust the Lord and move forward. Uh, feeling questions. 
feeling questions. How does that feel? Uh, you remember Monty and his example yesterday, uh, the one about the guy at work. He said, how are you feeling? This guy said all this stuff he was going to do. I feel like quitting. Uh, ask the same question again. Uh, sometimes, again, I'll slide a little sheet of paper with a bunch of feeling words on them and say, will you, will you just point out a couple of these? Uh, so I want to stay on that question until I actually get an emotive word coming out, not just a decision. Remember that uh, a lot of times guys like to go thought choice, thought choice. Uh, a lot of times women like to go feeling choice. But I want, I want to get that feeling out on the table and get down to the desire level. Uh, deep desires. Um, I don't know about you. If if somebody says, "What do you? What is your deepest desire in this moment?" Sometimes I'm like, uh, "What? What are you talking about?" Uh, I think it's okay to to think about common synonyms for something. If if somebody is in my group and I see, I think I think I really need to go after this guy's heart, but we haven't talked about this stuff yet. I might just say, in that situation, what do you really long for? What do you want to see happen? Uh, so, so I'm kind of talking around that deep desire question to start hinting on, on what's really going on in their heart. What do you long for? What are your desires? Um, I'm going to come back to drilling down later. Um, choices. For many of us, this is probably the easiest part for you. Uh, helping somebody come to a decision. But maybe the hardest part is letting them come to the decision. Why is it important for somebody else to come to their decision on what they're going to do? They're going to own it. They're going to own it so much deeper than just our own advice. Now, as Monty said, advice is not illegal or wrong. But I want to hear their heart first. There have been multiple times where somebody comes up with something that they want to do, and they say, what do you think? That's fine. I can say something there. I'm, I'm not trying to shut down all of the wisdom that you have. But we want to direct it towards what people are actually looking for. Right? So there are plenty of times when at the end they may say, well, tell me what you think. Or I may say, you know, I've, I've got a couple thoughts about that. Do you mind if I share as well? But I've heard their heart first, right? Okay. Um, responding from your heart, like Monty just said. Uh, there were moments in here yesterday you felt like, wow, I am really hearing somebody's heart. And this is, in a sense, feels like a sacred moment. What do I do with that? Somebody has just handed me something very weighty and significant. How do I respond? By keeping the focus on them? Just like what Monty said, sharing from my heart how they impacted me. Um, there was something that happened yesterday. A couple people shared after I, after Monty had engaged my heart. And two people said things that I just thought, I didn't realize that was true of me. They were seeing something in my life that I was blind to. That was good. And that was a powerful thing for me. As they shared from their heart, they, what somebody said something about seeing patience in my life. And I just thought, really? You see that in me? That was an incredibly encouraging and uplifting moment for me. 
It was totally unscripted. We had no idea what was going to happen. I, I didn't know about five minutes before what I was going to share about. But God used that moment to do something in my life. So when we respond from our heart, uh, one thing is we're, we're respecting that person's heart. Mm-hmm. We're showing them how what they're doing is impacting me. But sometimes we're also showing them what God is doing in their lives. So we can engage people's hearts over positive things or, or challenges in their life. Most of the time we're going to lean towards challenges. Most of the time we're going to lean towards things that are not going well. And when somebody says, God's at work in your life and here's how I see it, I don't hear that much. A lot of the people in our churches don't hear that much. We don't hear the affirmation of God's work in their life. Let's come back to affirmation later. Uh, but showing us God's glory is being reflected in your life yeah. because you bear his image and here's how I see it. That is a powerful moment for people. So as we're responding, we're, we're calling out God's glory in them and we're, we're sharing how that is, is impacting us. We can also weep with people and rejoice with people. That's a perfect way to apply that passage. Um. So, as, as Monty said before, uh, whoever told you there is no such thing as a bad question is a liar. <laughs> That's not true. So, um, I'm watching a show that I really, really like. It's called American Ninja Warrior. Um, there's no reason I shouldn't have been on that show at this point, but that's another issue. So they've, they've, they've got, if you're not familiar with the show, it's like this really, really hard obstacle course show. And these people, some of them quit their day job to train for an obstacle course show that they don't get paid for unless they win and only two people have ever finished. So um, that's another thing also. Anyway, so they've got this little like sideline reporter, so to speak, who talks to the contestants after they finish. And um, here's a lesson in not asking good questions. So, So there's this guy. And he's on like the fi- almost the final stage, and he's one of a couple people left. And you're thinking, I know this guy's story. I've been following with him. He's the kind of guy that can finish this thing. And so my wife and I are sitting on the edge of our couch, so excited for Joe to finally finish. You, some of you know Joe. And so, so he's on this, this obstacle, and it's like this little ledge... And he's, he's got to crawl across, and then there's another ledge, like out the wall, and he's got to jump and spin and grab this other little ledge right here and crawl across this one and jump back. So a few people have already made it past this part, and Joe's on the ledge here, and he's hanging on, and he decides to turn around and hold it like this, and he starts swinging, and he tries to kick himself over, and he misses it. And you know Joe could have made it. And so you're just devastated for the guy. You know how much work he's put into it. And he's, he's, he, you know, he falls in the water there. He gets out. He's drying off. And the microphone's in his face. And you're just feeling this guy's devastation. And this sweet sideline reporter says, Do you feel terrible right now? <laughs> uh, yeah. So close question leading question and you just see it crushing this guy's soul on national television next question why did you turn around to jump 
Well, you know, I guess I shouldn't have, should I? <laughs> Just soul-crushing, and then put you on the defensive. And then the last question, well, do you think you should have just done it the way everybody else did it? Oh, no. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you, you're just watching this guy on national TV just shut down. It was sad. Let's not do that to people. <laughs> it's so easy. It's, I know I'm not supposed to give advice, so I'm going to ask a question. Uh, do you think you should do it the way that I think you should do it? <laughs> I didn't give advice, did I? I asked the question, right? <laughs> Let's open up the questions. Let's take out the leading questions. And let's engage people's heart. Let them talk. Here's one of the things that's really, really powerful for me. This whole thing, this whole act of engaging somebody's heart is not meant to fulfill your curiosity. It is about them not your own information gathering. <laughs> I want to hear somebody's heart. We were doing something uh, a year or so ago. I was asking Monty, it's actually about the same daughter. And, and he was sharing about a basketball game. No, no, it was your other daughter. Sharing about a basketball game, last basketball game, and how he wanted to love his daughter as she finished her, her basketball team in high school. And he was just pouring his heart out, and it was a sweet moment. In the back of my head, I'm going, did they win or lose? <laughs> you know? But that's not what was important in that moment. What was important is to hear his heart and let him express it, because my goal is not just to feed my need for information. My goal is to draw his heart out and listen well. So that's going to shape your questions. Uh, Monty, do you think we should go to Drilling Down Desire right now or yeah, say we should jump Okay, sounds good. So we're gonna we're gonna practice. Yeah, we're gonna. Are we gonna model first? Or are we gonna? No, I don't know if we're time wise. We okay, that sounds good. You just tell people how we do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> called deflecting. <laughs> how do you feel? Yeah. <laughs> You what really what choices do you want to make? No. He <laughs> brought the story about my older daughter. And I started to cry. Because I remember him gauging me. and um, Yeah, you know, all the parents are waiting out to last game, you know, and she played, started all four years, you know, and big high school. And I said, forget this. So I went in and went past all the barriers, and I just sat right outside the locker room. So the first face she would see. Um, yeah, so here's what we're going to do. Uh-oh, I didn't want to do that. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to engage someone sitting next to you. I don't care if you know them or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, just two people. Um, if you're the last person in the room and you don't have a person, just join a couple, okay? So you should have two, 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 three. All right? Um, doesn't matter. We're going to put those four questions back on. But we want you to understand, this was kind of like what I got to see what a whole part was uh, and understand it. So what we're going to do is we're going to watch a three-and-a-half-minute clip and then I'm going to lead you through something on this board. 
to show you something I think it's, that was eye-opening. And if you can't see the board, um, yeah, uh, I think you can, you can figure it out. Um, and then we're going to watch a six-and-a-half-minute clip, and then you're going to engage one another over the full aspect of your heart, okay? So three-and-a-half-minute clip, I'm going to lead us through something and so on, okay? So I'm going to set up this movie yesterday. How many people, uh, you know, yesterday we did Les Mis. Let me, let me explain for those people. We're doing this. Jesus told stories to make a point. And so we're going to do something later where we're going to take uh, part of a passage from the Word of God and see how that really rips your heart open and engage your whole heart through that. And I truly believe Hollywood knows the heart more a lot than the church does a lot of times. Um, and they understand how we're created in a lot of ways. And so we're going to watch uh, another movie, uh, a three-and-a-half-minute clip, and then the same movie, six-and-a-half-minute clip, you can engage in. This is Cinderella Man. How many people have not seen Cinderella Man? Lord Jesus, save them today. <laughs> there, um, I, yesterday was Les Mis, um, so y'all got to watch that if you didn't. Uh, I'd watch the new one probably. But anyway, <clears throat> Cinderella Man, why I love this movie, it's a true story. It's a true story about a boxer that's before the Great Depression, like in the late 1920s. This guy's name's Jimmy James Braddock. Uh, that's uh, Russell Crowe on the movie here. And he was a great boxer. He was okay heavyweight. And one day he broke his hand, so he had to stop fighting. You know, the, the, the rules and officials won't let him fight the broken hand. had to get healed. In that process, the Great Depression happens. So he's not making any money. He lo they lose a bunch of money. So he's on the docks just trying to make money every day, you know, even with uh, food stamps and all kind of stuff. So he, he was a pretty wealthy guy, and now he's living on food stamps trying to provide for his family. And so the Great Depression is, is part of what's going on here. And then there's this, like, number seven fighter in the United States of America. And uh, he's fighting this kind of no-name guy. And the no-name guy that day gets sick. So they need someone to fill in. So his old trainer, he knows he hasn't boxed in years. Jimmy James Braddock hasn't boxed in years. Calls him and say, can you fill in for some money tonight to fight the number seven guy? Like, you know, in the heavyweight in the United States of America, ranked. He said, sure, for money I'll do it. Well, he goes and he fights and he wins. James Jimmy Braddock wins. And so he starts training again because he, he got stronger working on the docks and I guess his hand got all healed and so he ends up beating some people and then he fights the number six guy. Fifth rank guy beats him. Fourth rank guy beats him. Third rank guy beats him. Second rank guy beats him. And he's about to fight, true story, the number one rank guy in the United <laughs> States of America heavyweight. But there's a problem. That number one heavyweight has killed two people in the ring. Literally killed two people in the ring. So you can imagine what his wife's thinking, which is Renee Zellweger here. Her name is May. What is she thinking about fighting? So watch this three and a half minute clip. If we can hit the lights, oh, they're all right next to the doors. One, two, three. All right, three punch combo, okay? Pop, pop, bang. Come on. Thumbs tucked in. Keep the elbows in. All right, that's enough now. Oh, hang on. That's enough, please. Yeah, good. Bang. 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 B
always going to get ready for bed. Thank you. You can uh, turn the light if you don't mind. So we're learning to engage the whole heart and skills to be able to do that. And so for those people who can't see the board, all I'm simply writing is a table up on the board. And on the left side, I'm putting the four aspects of our hearts, our thoughts, our feelings, our deep desires, and our choices. Then I'm putting May at the top. That's her. And then Jimmy, that's him. So y'all just walk through now and just shout out to learn what it means to understand your own heart and the hearts you're engaging other people with. So what is May thinking? He's going to get killed. Yeah, he's going to get killed. That's what she's thinking. All right, I'm going to simplify this. What is Jimmy thinking? He's going to win and what? I'll get money. Yeah, you know, make money. What is she feeling? Fear. Fear. Yeah, she's very scared. She's very fearful. Other things. What is he feeling? Uh, He's feeling confident, but also what? Challenged. Challenged? Hope. Concerned. Disrespected? He's frustrated at her also. He's he's feeling disrespected. So he's feeling confident, definitely, but he's also having a kind of a... A double feeling. He's feeling conflicted. frustrated, conflicted, you know, disrespected by her, whatever you want to say. All right, so I'm going to do something here. I'm going to jump down to choices, and let's just make it like one or two words. <clears throat> what does May's choice want to happen? What does she... Don't yeah. fight. Yeah. Don't fight. What is his choice? Fight. Fight, fight. okay? So... This is very interesting. What's her deep desires, her longings? Security. Security. uh, That he be secure for her and the family and provide. We need you here. We need to feel safe. 
What is his deep desire? The same, the same thing. The same thing. Do you know how many fights with my wife would never have happened if we would have engaged our hearts? Well, I think we ought to do this with the kids. No, I think we ought to do this with the kids. No, I think this is the best way for the kids. What about this way for the kids? I think we ought to do this. Why do you? You don't agree with that? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Honey, what do you desire in that situation for our kids? Why do you desire for them to feel loved and educated and safe or whatever? Oh, yeah, I do too. Let's back off and stop fighting over these surface issues and get down to the deep longings and deep desires of our souls. And then we might be able to maybe disagree on the choices. Everything's not going to be perfect. But boy, could we just have an incredible intimacy and understanding of our own hearts in so many situations. So what we're going to do now is we're going to watch six and a half minute clip. Now the part of this movie. And then you're going to turn and you're going to ask each other those four questions. And the people that are here for the first time, listen please. You're going to ask the first question, what are you thinking? And you're going to listen. I know it's crazy. You're not going to give what you're thinking. You're not going to No. Me, 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 me. No, you're not going to do that. Then after they finish, I don't care if it's one minute, two minutes, 30 seconds. What are you feeling? Just listen. Engage. Okay? Those people yesterday know what this is about. So six and a half minute clip. You can hit the lights again. Okay, uh, we just have a few more minutes. To let you know really quickly, the next hour, what we're going to do is we're going to teach you how to drill down deeper into desires. And then we're going to actually give you about 35 minutes doing what you're doing just now to be able to do that. We're going to teach you to do that. How to drill down deeper into the desires, okay? We're also going to, because it's going to be more of a little bit of teaching of deep, deep desires and then going in for you engaging one another. They're going to give us another room kind of off on the side so people can sit and all that kind of stuff, so it's fine. So if you're going to come back here the next hour, we're going to have also drilling down and a much more Q&A time, okay? So these were back-to-back. -back. We wanted to do this. We wanted to get some meat down and get started with this, okay? So really quickly again, don't tell me about the movie. I've watched it. <laughs> don't, you don't have to talk about your deep desires. But what was it like, again, to be asked four questions and to be able to share from your full heart? What was that like? Unifying. Unifying. What about that was unifying? Well, just, he was listening, and I was able to share with him, and, and I just know this guy's first name, and, and I just feel really close to him. Tim. Wow. <laughs> you got close to a stranger. Yeah. In nine minutes and 45 seconds was the time here. Wow. It's such a desire. Listening to their desires, such desires in my own heart. Okay, so you saw this and maybe your heart was wrestling, didn't know where it was, and then hearing their desires touched something deep inside you. The Lord spoke through another person in the power of the Spirit. Wow. Normal Christian community. Let's shut up and listen. One thing I experienced when he was, uh, Brian was sharing, um, his passion in that, it brought me joy. Mm 
Amen. Hearing the Holy Spirit speak through someone else gives you. I had a hard time not thinking about what I was going to say. Yeah. No, I knew that that was supposed to be. I got my feelings. I want to tell them. You're in the 99.9% time. We all want to go, oh, I want to so badly, you know? And we will have our time. We really will have our time. Well, that, it did come through that. I mean, just shut up. You, you look at your time and speak. Yeah. Listen. Yeah, it is, it is radical to think that way. Thank you for sharing that. Because that we're all there. Risky to uh, be asked or to share? Well, I was hearing what I needed to share, and I was like, do I really want to vulnerable Yeah, we talked about yesterday the difference between transparency and vulnerability, um, which is really important to understand. Uh, transparency is good, but it can also be very bad, where we just kind of throw our junk. Vulnerability is when we take our heart and lay it out before and say, I want help, I want change. So you... Shared, and it was risky. I agree, it's risky. So you're sharing with a stranger, and you have tears welling up in your life over again, nine minutes and 45 seconds. And it's just because they ask you these. They, actually, we put stuff in the water this morning. There's this magic dust. <laughs> it's, guys, if we engage and love well and listen well, radical different community. Discipleship groups will be radically different. So we engage over truth. We engage over everything. This is a part of what we do inside doing life with one another. And these skills you can use in a lot of places. That Making that decision to be vulnerable as a leader of a group is going to be one of the most transformative things you can do. Because if you were here yesterday, you experienced how contagious it was when Monty opened his heart up. Just comments from you guys we're incredibly wide open. It's not going to happen most of the time unless you as a leader start with that. Uh, it takes time to build trust. It really does, especially in a group that's going to be committed together intentionally for a while. So as a leader, making that decision is an absolute game changer. Let me pray for us, and we're going to jump in the next time of going how to go drill down in deep desires, have some Q&A, and then have a longer time, and then a longer Q&A after that, okay? Lord Jesus, thank you for just this experience again, for the honesty, the open hearts. Help us. Oh God, we long, we desire to live out of our full hearts. We desire to be loved and to love. We desire to be known. We desire to be heard. And would you give us leaders in the room a, a power and a comfort to trust in your spirit, the Holy Spirit speaking in and through people. Help us to engage them well. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers podcast. That message was from Life on Life Missional Discipleships track called How to Pursue and Disciple the Heart Like Jesus from the National Disciple Making Forum. You'll find dozens of other great discipleship resources like this podcast at discipleship.org. May the Lord bless you as you seek to grow as a disciple maker.